Welcome to the first episode of Midlife Mastery for 2023. I'm really excited to bring today's episode. It's a great conversation. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But yeah, this is the 63rd episode. We've got listeners in 74 countries, still in the global top 10 of podcasts for our category. And so just really, really excited for the past couple of years of Midlife Mastery. And we have some great guests lined up going forward. And so 2023 is going to be a great year. If you haven't listened to the most recent episodes yet, I'd really encourage you to check out Aging Well. It's with Nate and Sheba from Ageless Workout. Fantastic episode. And we had Gail Gensler back on. And we call this episode Midlife in Beast Mode because that's how she lives. And she brings this full throttle enthusiasm and inspiration to midlife. And so always enjoy my conversations with Gail. She is a returning guest. But now for today's episode... Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. I absolutely loved this conversation with Ellen Kosher and Dominique Bendow. They're the co-authors of the book, Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, How to Lift Up Your Life in Your 50s and Beyond. They brought tons of information and inspiration on creating and embracing a vibrant life after 50 and with a particular focus on work and career. So that's that's an area that we sometimes talk about, but this episode allowed us to go a lot deeper. And so we discussed how aging is regarded in different countries. Both of them are world travelers, have lived in several different countries. And so they had some thoughts on that. And and thinking about aging, not just personally, but also in the workplace. We talked about some myths and stereotypes of aging and careers, the, the personal and professional advantages that come with growing older. We talked about getting beyond being set in our emotions. I'd never really thought about that idea of being set in our emotions. And, and so um, anyway, that just really resonated for me. We, we talked about the distinction between growing older and getting old, how views of retirement are changing. And, and again, they bring kind of a, a multicultural, multi-country perspective to that, as well as rethinking careers after 50. And just a, a quick thought on that, you know, if you just turn 50, you've probably got another 20 years. That is a full career before, between now and when you're 70. And that just changes the way I think about things. So anyway, as uh, Ellen and Dominique say, don't grow old waiting. And the time is now. So let's get started. Jump into the episode. Let me know what you think about it. And please, of course, if it resonates with you, share it with people that, that you know, that you care about, that would really, really appreciate that this episode for really helping them refocus their midlife. All right. So today's guests are Ellen Kosher and Dominique Bendow. And well, I, I always like to let guests introduce themselves because I'm not that good at it. You know you better than I know you. So Ellen, can you give us just kind of your, your 30 second, 45 second elevator pitch? You know, who are you? What do you do? I would love to. Thank you, Brock. So I am Ellen Kosher. I live in Geneva, Switzerland. I am a Swiss American grew up in Connecticut, did undergraduate work in economics and finance. And during one of my years abroad, fell in love with with Italy, Europe, food, and decided to come back and learn French. Met a Swiss German guy and lived happily ever after. There you go. That's a really 30 second elevator pitch. (laughs) But just to add to that, I spent 10 years in finance, big, big, big company. Then I took over Weight Watchers at work for almost 10 years when I made some personal lifestyle changes around weight, nutrition, and stuff like that. And nine years ago, yeah, nine years ago, I started my own business as a health and wellness coach where I developed and that's where I am today. All right. Excellent. And well, Dominique, how about you? 
Well, I'm the other way around. I'm, I was born in Switzerland. I also live in Geneva, in Switzerland, but I've been traveling and working around the world. have lived in New York City for three years, lived in Africa and Eastern Europe and traveled the world. That travel is really my passion. But before or after I fell into the travel passion, I studied at the hotel management school in Switzerland and then embark on the 30 plus years HR, human resource in leadership positions around the globe. And four years ago, I created my own company, and which is called Point North. I help basically people and organizations find their true north. There's quite a lot to do on that point. <laughs> and, and I have that passion for you know, bringing the best out of people and realigning themselves with their values, their talents, their experience and skills. So it doesn't feel like working. It's just love and passion. <laughs> well, fantastic. And I can't help but notice both of you neglected to mention that you've written a book together called <laughs> Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive and, you know, How to Live Your Life in Your 50s and Beyond, which, of course, is what we're here to talk about. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. Like, how do we do this midlife thing? Because there isn't near as I can tell a lot of instruction on what to do after you turn 50. Mm. And so I'm curious, both of you have seen a lot of the world and how is aging regarded differently in the different places you've been? Oh, I, I can take that if you want. Go Ellen. for it. Sure. It's, it's an excellent question and, and, and one that we don't get usually when we have interviews like that. So thank you for asking, Brock. It's definitely very different. If you go to Africa, a continent that is very dear to my heart, as much as you age, you also gain respect and you, people really take care of you, of you as an older adult. And you'll find the same in, in most of the Asian countries. Now, in, in Europe and in North America, which are very similar, it's, it's about you know, having or preparing for a legacy, preparing for things to give back and contributing to the community. South America being so diverse, you know, from north to south of that continent it really it really depends but it's similar to what you'll find in north america so it's it's basically north and south america and europe are, are similar but asia and africa is is about respect and actually in china when you celebrate your 60th birthday there's a huge huge party everybody's waiting to to you know to have that 60th birthday because it's a massive sign of recognition and respect it's kind of a you know an end result where everybody aims to be, which is not necessarily what you experience everywhere in the world. No, definitely not. In, in fact, you know, I, I think it's kind of a tradition in America to, you know, lie about, downplay, not mention, never bring up your your age, especially as you start getting there. Although I will note my mother once said half jokingly that if she ever did start lying about her age, she would tell people she was older. So they would think she looked fabulous for how old she said she was. <laughs> right. I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how about you, Ellen? What, what's your observation on how aging is regarded differently in different places? Different, same? 
Great question. Great question, Brock. What I would love to do, and it's my brain was going as Dominique was sharing her, her thoughts, which I even learned something there about, about China, Dominique, is in the workplace because I work extensively. So my field of business is workplace well-being and as a consultant and a coach. So I've observed a lot about that. What I've noticed is that in the United States, there tends to be more opportunity for people over 50 in the workplace than is proposed in Europe in general. There's still this real age bias that I've observed in Europe where even though, for example, in Switzerland, we are the country where people live the longest. We kind of go back and forth with Japan, but we're the country where people live the longest. And yet you kind of get pushed out of the workplace by 60. And then people look at you kind of funny if you want to work. And it's it's very awkward because there are another 30 years left. So where I have observed a real difference in mindset and mentality, and a lot of the work that Dominique and I do is around that mindset, is in the workplace and being accepting. And what I've noticed, Brock, and this is very interesting, you might not have even connected our work with the 50 plus with that, but we're working with diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a huge subject in the US that is trickled toward Europe no longer than four years ago, first year of COVID, one of the experts in workplace wellness here in Switzerland said to me, what are the trends in workplace wellness in the world? He knows them in Switzerland. And I said, diversity, equity, inclusion. He looked at me like I had two heads. What are you talking about? He said, in Switzerland, we speak four languages. We're multicultural. That'll never be a thing here. And today it's the number two issue after mental well-being. So having a global market, we're creating this pressure. We're learning from each other. And that's how I see that aging trend being different. Do you agree, Dom? I see you shaking. Totally. Totally. And and what we we find out, and every year it becomes more and more true, is the economies, developed economies in the world do look to older people as well. There's, you know, there's this this paradox of companies letting people go on pre-retirement at the age of 58, 60, 62, where they could be, you know, fit enough to continue working and willing to continue working. And on the other side, a lot of companies are looking at the older workforce because they critically lack people to perform the job that they need to perform to serve their clients. And if you look at the research, there are a number of people, including Japan, Switzerland, France, UK, the the US, obviously, Canada as well, even China, where the the number of, of, of positions that are vacant at the moment are only and purely due to demographic changes. That opens up hundreds of thousands of jobs to midlife professional and the older work. And just yesterday, I spoke to somebody in South America, Ellen, you you did, we did together, where a gentleman of of 60 was actually headhunted. And when the the hiring manager was talking to him, he said, well, do you realize I'm I'm 60? And he said, yeah. And that's a big plus for me because- That's why I'm hiring you. (laughs) You've got the values, you've got the skills, you've got the network. It makes much more sense to look for somebody like you than to look for younger people, which is pretty good news that older people don't always think about. But I'll tell you a story. When I was still in the corporate 
world before opening my own business. One of the best guy in my team, I recruited when he turned 60, actually 61. And when I interviewed him, I said, well, would you mind reporting to a younger person, especially a woman? And he transparently said, you know what? I'm not that sure. I'm not that sure I'm going to like it. But, you know, I'll give it a try. I'll give you a chance. I said, well, thank you very much. And actually, when he retired, he was 68. So he spent seven years with me. And when he left, he said, look, of my 40 years of career, my last position, my last job was the best one ever. And I think that's a beautiful sign that that's it's, not about, it's not about the same everywhere and the same all the time. And one of the work that we do together is to get older people or midlife professionals to realize that they actually have a professional brand that is unique and needs to be valued. That's so important. Well, let's talk about that because there are a lot of stereotypes around aging and career. I mean, we've already started touching on them and not only do other people believe them about those of us who are aging, but often we believe them about ourselves as well. Like, you know, I'm no longer as competitive in the job market or don't have the technical skills. Or in fact, I had a a gentleman in IT once tell me, oh, I'm 50. I, I, you know, I can't learn this new stuff. And which just... Completely blew my mind that a guy in a tech field was refusing to learn more tech stuff. But anyway, clearly he had bought into some stereotype. But what do you find? What What is the flip side of the stereotype? What I guess what I'm asking is what advantages do we tend to bring as we age? And I'm Ellen? so glad you're asking. Yeah, thank you so much, Brock. That's, it's such a great question. And actually, it's exactly the question that we answer in our book. So what we look at and we look at the different dimensions physical, emotional, intellectual, which is brain power, spiritual, which is alignment and financial. And in all five dimensions, we challenge the current mindset. And this is where Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive comes from. We want to wake up the to the aging demographic. We want to wake them up to the reality that we're faced with today. We want to shake up the mindset so that people can thrive. So if I were to just take an example in each one of these dimensions, which I think is really fun to do, one of the major worries of people over 50 is physical well-being. And in fact, every dimension, whether it's nutrition, physical activity, sleep, 70% of our aging can be changed with lifestyle. And it's never too late. That's a really huge positive message because people think they'll even say, I'm having a senior moment. I don't see like I used to. You know, typically women will come to me to lose weight and they'll say, Oh, it's menopause. And I'll be, No, honey, it's sleep. You got to get some sleep. So, how are we going to get that happening? And then the weight goes off by itself. So, there are a number of those things and we challenge lots of them. That would be a physical example. If I take an emotional example, people tend to be set in their emotions. And then, Dominique, you can take another dimension afterward which would be, for example, I'm I'm really stressed or I'm really anxious or I'm really sad. People tend to embody their emotions, Brock, rather than standing back and saying, hey, I noticed that I'm feeling stressed or sad or anxious. And what can I do with those emotions? Actually, science shows that we manage our emotions better with age. And since more than 90% of our decisions are based on our emotions, 
that's a really, really, really important place to shake up the mindset and not be stuck in the, I am what I feel. No, no. I notice I feel it. And then I can actually manage it. Actually, let me jump in there really quick, Ellen. Please do, yeah. Because you had an interesting, you had a really interesting turn of phrase I hadn't heard before. And, and you started to explain it a little bit, but I'd like to go deeper. And you said that we we can be set in our emotions. Yeah, right. And, you know, I know being set in our ways, our routines, our habits. So say a little bit more about what you mean by that. Yeah, well, as I had mentioned, if I take an example, very often when people are approaching this phase of life, they will they will say how they feel with an I am. It's like I identity am. level. Exactly. And they're creating the identity. And very often, Brock, they'll also be very limited in the words they use. So we actually challenge that. For example, I am sad. Well, are you sad or are you melancholy? Are you feeling sad or are you feeling worrisome? And we try to really get granular on what they're feeling. And then we stop with the I am because it's I feel or I notice I'm feeling. And once we do that, it puts us in a position of actually managing from the outside those emotions. Dominique, you're really you're really good at this too. What would you like to add to that? Oh, well, and thank you. It's you know emotions are you mentioned before, Brock. You mentioned habits or routines and things like that, and that's why sometimes we feel that we are like this or we are like that, and that we can't change. We get that all the time. Oh, you know, I'm too old to change. But it's not about changing who you are, but it's to change some of the habits that are triggered by the way you feel. And that is workable. It's not like you're meant to be like that forever. These are, are things that we we do work with, with the clients that we work with, is to change the habits and therefore change the emotions and change, therefore, the circuits of functioning. And it's repetition and consistency that do change that. But it's not about changing your individuality. It's about changing the habits and the routines that will create the emotions that you feel, but also come from the emotions. So it's it's a question of repetition. And as and, and Jody spent us in our book as well. Joe is, is, is a person that we've followed for years and years. And he's also explaining that very well. It's about the habits of thinking, you know, when you wake up in the morning, that you are meant to be this or that, but you actually can drive your emotions and drive your life much more easily than we think if you get new routines in place. Small ones, you know, you, you haven't got to change the big ones, but small changes have as much impact than huge changes. And huge only comes from a number of small ones. Mm -hmm. All right. So we just touched on so many things right there in a right? couple of sentences. So no, and, and that's fabulous. The idea, because I'd never thought about, I mean, I love thinking about identity thinking, like, you know, just kind of who we think we are and how we can alter that and the, the habits of thinking. But I've never really thought about it at the emotional level. And we, we got there kind of, and you, you'd mentioned, Dominique, that, hey, we don't have to make huge changes. We can make just small changes in how we're mm -hmm. thinking about ourselves and who we are and the emotions that we have. And and then, Ellen, you, you had also, 
I mean, we started down this path of what are the advantages of being kind of 50 and beyond and the idea that we have better control over our emotions or a better understanding of our emotions maybe. And therefore that leads to better decision-making. So, so I don't know, there's about a book's worth of material right there. And there you go. We got the book for you. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other advantages of being over 50, especially as we think about kind of our our careers and and our lives? Mm -hmm. Sure. And and Dominique? Yeah. So just to, to link with emotions when, you know, when we get older, we've, it's most certainly that we have gone through experiences, the good ones and the bad ones. But over time, we've strengthened that muscle of resilience, but we've also been more conscious of where we're really good at and that by learning new stuff, we can get to new performance. So something that we are very passionate working with corporations is to have companies involve older people in their learning activities, but also in mentoring in sharing experiences. So triggering that intellectual dimension that we cover in in the book is to have that social impact and to create those, you know, those relationships and connections, connecting with people, but also connecting the dots. Like we, we always say, oh, you know, my body is getting older and my cells are dying, like it's the end of the world. But the research shows that our cells get, you know, Some of our cells do die, but we have many new cells that come into our body, including our brain, until the very day when we die. So it never stops. But like any cells, it needs to be activated. It needs to be created. It needs to be fed. So at the intellectual level, when we get older, the best we can do is to get out of our comfort zone and try new things you know, new learnings, new things, new people, new networks. The word new here is critical to create new neural pathways and to learn new things. And it's never too late. We we regularly meet with people who are going to university, they're learning new stuff at the age of 50, 60 or more, people creating their company at the age of 50, 60 or 70 or 80. I mean, we're both example of having created our company after the age of 50. And and it feels much better than if we had done it at the age of 25. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the results are better. Yeah, I can even actually pick... I can actually pick up on that quickly because we have actually done a lot of research on entrepreneurs over 50. And entrepreneurs over 50 are five times more successful than the younger entrepreneurs, which just makes sense. And we go back to this question of what are we better at? Well, they typically have a little more money. They have a lot more confidence. They have a lot more experience. They have a much bigger network and they're more resilient. And those are like 90% of what you need to be a successful entrepreneur. So all we have to do at that point is just go for it. So those are huge advantages. And what's been shown is in the blue zones in the area in the world where people live the longest, mm-hmm. that's where they're doing the most of this. They're creating this newness. They're creating those connections. That's what's helping them age well. And, you know, it's funny. I don't think many people think about that 
that network, those life skills, the emotional mm-hmm. maturity, we, we don't typically think about that. We think about job skills or technical skills or what degree do I have or, or any of that. Mm-hmm. And it completely misses this whole human part and, you know, business, I'm a firm believer business, you know, gets done for by and through people. Like people are mm-hmm. just the equation. You Absolutely. can't, you can't avoid it. And that is what our demographic tends to be better at <laughs> just totally. experience. Totally. So anyway, I find that interesting because I think the stereotype belief is, you know, all entrepreneurs are under 30, wear a hoodie every day, live in Silicon Valley or Austin or any of the tech hubs. And that may be true, but we miss out on kind of these, I don't know, the unsung entrepreneurs that are mm-hmm. going on, creating great businesses, having great lives. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's they're too busy doing stuff to make headlines. I, I I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but I love hearing about these advantages that we just don't normally hear about. Mm-hmm. We don't tap yeah, totally, into it. Totally. And, it, and it's very much driven by media as well, whether it's magazines or papers or social media and so on. You know, it gets to the to the surface or it's known by people through media. So it's it's not that uncommon that we see examples of young successful entrepreneurs, but there are also many older entrepreneurs that are that are successful, and and it's it's a question of you know it's a question of of being known or being aware of and and getting to read about those people as well, and and you said before that you know younger people might be more you know more tech orientated and so on but it's all it all depends on what you mean by digital and tech mm-hmm. you know, i know a lot of people young people that are great with social media and tiktok and platforms like that but ask them to do an excel spreadsheet or a powerpoint presentation <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and that's where we thrive and that's needed as well you can't go on tiktok to run a business you know necessarily for everything so so these are the we haven't tried yet, at least we haven't we tried. haven't tried. I mean, <laughs> it's it's yet to be tried. But I'll tell you a story. My my mother in law from Africa, she never went to corporate. She never had a job. She raised her kids at home. She was never exposed to business. Now in in Africa, social media is very, you know, very hot. Not in terms of temperature, but in terms of using it. And actually, there's been revolution in some countries using social media so it's very uh, a very common thing so when that happened you know she would have been the last person in the world i would have thought to use social media and a tablet and a phone but when she started a few years ago uh, she picked up on it so easily and she was 50 or 60 at, at the time now, when she comes to Switzerland and we travel and go to hotels, she's the first one to ask for the Wi-Fi code in a hotel or in a restaurant. She's passionate about that. So it's it's not always the same story wherever you go, but it's a it's the idea or the bias or the, the preconceived idea that we have that older people are not as good with digital as young people. We call it the digital divide in our book. And we challenge people to actually get over that. It does seem that one of the things that younger people have an advantage of there is they just keep playing with it. Like there's not this idea of success, failure. Oh, I tried it once and it didn't work. So I didn't do it. 
you know, like little kids learning to walk, they just keep doing it till they figure it out. You know, True. kids play with apps, kids play with technology. And if there's an advantage that seems to be it, they don't have this idea of, I must be an expert with it the first time I use it. Otherwise it undermines who I am at my core. And I'm being a little facetious, but, it, but I'm <laughs> laughing because it sounds like Dominique and I, it's really funny. We've been working together for four years. Oh, I have to tell you how we met actually and how we work together. But when we first met, the two of us were like, I can't stand not knowing. I'm going to learn this. Between us, we know so many tech platforms that our tech people are like, oh, it's a pain in the neck because we know too much. We t- so, so it's actually, and as soon as I don't know something or Dominic, we're like, oh, work. yes. And then we kind of, come, we, we challenge each other to, to get on top of it. We're exactly the opposite. We're like the kids. We're like, we'll do it until we get it right. Right, Dominic? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what, Brock? If... Um... The, the 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 thoughts that some people have that they have to be good at something or be excellent at something and failure is not an option is is actually very true for our generation because in terms of education we've been taught or we've been shown or we had to prove so much to get where we are today but what we question is is that a truth or is just a precon not a preconceived idea, but an, a belief that we have that is actually not a belief that serves us. It's a belief that unserves us. Now, in life, and that, that's something that we teach people we work with, in life, you can change a belief that doesn't serve you if you decide to do so. You just have to find the technique, and that's what we teach as well, you just have to find the technique to understand where that belief is coming from. And if it doesn't help you, you know, get rid of it. Why make your life miserable for the sake of a belief doesn't doesn't serve your life, doesn't serve your future, doesn't serve your work or your your the people around you. So there are some great beliefs that boost us, but others then just drains us and and consciousness or awareness of that is is very much important to feel that alignment you have with who you are how you can contribute to con- the community how you can serve a company or your own business what is your position what is your mission on that planet by identifying really what makes you and what is stopping you or what is helping you and and beliefs are a big chunk of that. You, you know, speaking of, of beliefs, there's this idea, like we're all going to get older, right? Like that's a good thing because, you know, the grow alternative. Older, grow older. We yeah, the like alternative. We grow old. We don't get old. We decided. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so let's talk about that because we are all going to age. And yet some people seem to take on life is still an adventure for them in their 70s and beyond. You know, they they, they don't appear old, although they have aged <laughs> or, or however we, we would phrase that. And, and so there does seem to be a distinction. You know, when I think back when I was a kid thinking about older adults, I didn't see vibrancy and it may just be, you know, the the perception of youth versus from where I'm at now, but it just seemed like, you know, people in their sixties and seventies, they had really wound down and they were just playing bridge or whatever it is they did. I don't know. I was too busy being a kid to pay attention, but I don't see that as much today. I see people out having living very vibrant lives. And so, so I, I don't know. So let's talk about that idea of growing old 
versus just aging. Mm-hmm. And, and that one. We, I know there's a lot to cover there, but I'd love yeah, to hear your there thoughts is, on it. But that's okay because when we when we first started writing the book, there was this thing about effectively, just like you said, everybody getting old. And we said, actually getting old, it just sounds so negative. It sounds grumpy. It sounds wrinkly. It sounds slow. Getting old. We want to grow old like you grow up. And, and that's something to grow up, you, you thrive, which means you need to take care of all of the various dimensions of your well-being to keep them in shape. Obviously, and you're right, Brock, life expectancy has increased exponentially. We have never been faced with a four-generation workplace in the history of mankind. So these are new paradigms. This is not something that we're used to, which is, again, why we purposefully are working through this, both at the employer level and the employee level, because both need training and understanding about what we can do to grow old rather than get old. And I think the main thing that Dominique and I really feel strongly about is that it's never just in one piece of your life. As we've noticed, for example, if you talk about retirement, the way it used to be, it's the the whole idea of retirement has changed. It's become almost now you have freedom to work when you retire from work, because then you can actually do something you really want, something, something that matches, as Dominique explained, aligns with you then. When our grandparents and our parents retired, they only had a few years left and they were slower. So you didn't have those kind of questions. So given today's aging demographic, these are really new questions and new challenges that we have. So Dominique, what what are your thoughts there? Anything to add? Well, just very, very shortly, the difference for, for me is whether you feel empowered to drive the life the way you want or whether you're just gonna play victim until it ends. And honestly, I find that too sad to accept is also to give yourself a chance to, yeah, to discover, to explore, but also to go within yourself and think what what is important for you, but is to really put you in the driver's seat more than, you know, in the bus that you're just, you know, cruising along more and more, you know, slow and passive and and so on. So it's it's really that's part of feeling empowered, engaged, responsible for what happens to you, and that is there's no like you know destiny, and and you have to just admit it and wait until it ends. So it's it's it changes the perspective when you're in driver's seat. Yes, it's it's responsibility, but it's more freedom as well. It's it's a give and take. Freedom comes with responsibility anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock, yeah. I have a little challenge just for a thought for you to go through here. When I started giving pre-retirement courses about five years ago, I was hired by a company and they gave me a slide deck to start with. And I looked at it and there was a hammock on a beach on the first slide deck. And I kept that slide. How do you feel? Personally, if you see hammock on a beach related to retirement as of 65, how does that make you feel? 
Well, I think of vacation when I think of hammock on a beach. Me too. I don't think of retirement. For me, retirement, and but yet, years ago, that was retirement. You know, the dream, remember those, remember like those, those ads we used to see when we were kids in the US and they'd say, you know, Prudential or whoever it was that was doing the advertising and you'd see the couple walking into the sunset toward the hammock on the beach. Like today, no, that's like one trip among a hundred I'm doing this year for the next 30 years. (laughs) It's a completely different mindset. Retirement, you know, it used to be school, work, retire, expire. Today it's school, work, retire, life. (laughs) it's another third. It's another third of your life statistically. Well, sure. I mean, so, you know, I'm 52 now. If, you know, even if I work till I'm 72, you know, that's, well, 20 years by my math, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a full career Mm -hmm. somewhere. So, So let's talk a little bit about that, the idea of, you know, kind of midlife professionals from your perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we already talked a little bit about entrepreneurship and Dominique, I, I love your idea of, of feeling empowered because the thought of being a, a victim until it ends was the most depressing turn of mm-hmm. So when we think about being empowered, we think about, hey, I've got at least another career's worth of time ahead of me, however I choose to use it. I mean, that, that kind of the counter of that is, well, I'm this age, I'm, you know, just kind of coasting till the end, but obviously that's not the path we have to go down. And I I guess, so what, what is kind of your your advice or your approach to those who are at this stage looking and realizing there's so much more, there could be so much more. I've got another career's worth to give. What should they be thinking about? And yeah. Yeah, Dominique, jump on in there. It, it's, um, what we realize is what most of people getting at, at this point of midlife, whether it's 40, 60, 50, whatever they consider is midlife, is when they realize that there's so much to go still, and what are they going to do with the rest of it, whether it's 20 to go, 30 to go, 40 to go in their professional life. It what they mostly like is one clarity and second confidence. And what we do a lot of with them is to help them be clear on who they are, what they bring to the table in terms of personality, motivation, skills, experience, talents, strengths, but that gives them the confidence when they say, "Oh, I'm not that bad. I know this, this and that." And I have those strengths. So it raises up their level of confidence. So that's the first step. The second step in terms of clarity is to explore a number of possibilities and opportunities, but using a structure approach so that they get the destinations, if you want, and a number of possibilities that they might not have thought about. Because when you're in your life, you don't always get the inspiration to explore other avenues. But when you're working with somebody, it becomes a little bit easier. And we always often use the the notion of a GPS. Once you know who you are and the potential destinations where you could be going, it's like, you know, using a GPS. This is where I am now. This is where I'm going to go. And then what do you get out of that? An itinerary where you have options. I can take the highway. I can take the small roads. Mm -hmm. I can go fast. I can take my time. 
but at least you have a plan. So the, the, the recommendation is, is really to get clear on who you are and raise your mm-hmm. confidence and get clear of where you could be going. Mm-hmm. And then you have a plan. I totally the plan is yeah. measurable, is yeah, trackable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. can be fast, can be slow, exactly. um, but it's a plan with actions. You know, this this brings me, Dominique, thank you so much for sharing that. At this age 50-ish, we actually explain it. And maybe, Brock, you are definitely doing this in your work. And maybe even today's conversation, it gives the 50-ish midlife people an itch. They get this little, uh, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to live that long. They kind of get this nudge. And what Dominique and I noticed and how we met and started working together is exactly for this reason. Because people would come to me and go, oh, Ellen, I got to lose weight. Or Ellen, I've got to sleep better. And when I dug a little bit deeper, I realized, in fact, their problem was with their job. They were in the wrong job. And once we got them in the right job, all the health issues cleared up. And Dominique noticed that people would go to her to get a new job. And they needed a job. And they weren't sleeping. And they were burned out. And they were were having health issues. So we realized that by working together, and I think the advice comes to reach out with that nudge or itch. Figure it out. Be ready to pivot. You may be able to do that by yourself, working through a book like ours because we've got great tips and we have the Thrive Guide and you can do it, or with an external coach, both ways. And again, podcasts like yours are great motivators for people to actually get out of itch mode and get into, oh, this is going to be really scratch mode, getting scratch mode to actually (laughs) take care of that. (laughs) So, man, we have covered so much so far today, and I don't know. I'm just kind of th- wondering next steps. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm stumbling a little bit over my words here because, well, one, I'm kind of fired up. I love this conversation. I, I love the idea that, you know, on one hand, we we often hit this age and feel like this is my trajectory. You know, I've got so much invested in the current life, current career, current status, habits, emotions, all of that, that I'm going to continue down this path. And so I love the idea of being able to shake that up with, oh, but we've still got a lot of time. We can still explore other paths. If this one isn't doing it for us, maybe there's something else. And, and even if this one is doing it for us, maybe there's something else, you know, there there's... I, I, I love people who are out there taking on big new challenges, big new hobbies at, at this age and well, at any age, but really at this age, because it fights those stereotypes so much. So let, let me ask, what's the exciting next steps for both of you? Like Ellen, what are you looking forward to in kind of this next year or two? Wow. I really have a lot. Actually, we wrote the book not even a year ago. It was November of last year. We published in English. The French translated version has just come out. So we are doing a lot of promotions on that book. And don't forget, Dominique and I each have two businesses. I have my business, Wealthness, which is Workplace Wellbeing. And we have Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive. So with Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, we are doing a lot of work around the consulting space because what we realized is that companies don't know where to start. Like when you say, are you considering aging in your DEI? They go, no, 
And so we actually work them through that. And sometimes they actually hire us afterward to support their people and to help with the itches. But we actually help them create a GPS for their company. So that's with Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive. And I'm very excited to say, I just want to share with you, I did my master's degree three years ago. So just to say, I mean, it's never too late. We created Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive three years ago, created my own business eight years ago. All of this happened over the age of 50. And the other big exciting thing is I'm doing a lot of training of younger professionals, younger coaches in my signature programs and in our signature programs. Dominique and I are launching early next year. We're training young coaches in wake up, shake up, thrive delivery because the need is so big. So that's what's going on for me. That's the big stuff on the professional scene. How about you, Dominique? What are you looking forward to over the next couple of years? I mean, Ellen already laid out a couple of things I know you're doing, but <laughs> well, yeah. what else are you looking forward to? Well, on, on the Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, I think she described the, you know, the big plans that we foresee for next year. But knowing ourselves by January or February next year, we'll probably have hundreds of other IDs to roll out next year. But on the Point North side, what I'm excited about is the mental fitness program that I just rolled out. That is picking up vastly because that you just certified in as well. You might add, she just certified that I just certified and combining, you know, the focus on on raising up the volume on strengths and lowering down the volume of those nasty internal voices that we all have. So that has turned to be a big thing, and I I foresee a big acceleration on that next year. And the other thing is the link between emotions at home and emotions at work. Because emotions at work is not something that we talk a lot about. However, it has massive impact on the level of burnouts, the level of boreouts, you know, great resignations, silent, quiet quitting and all that is, is mainly due to the lack of management of emotions at work. And that's something that I'm I'm really passionate about and I'm kicking off as well with with corporations to get their emotions uh, managed properly at work rather than letting people go and having to struggle to find new people. Why not managing them intelligently and with care and authenticity? Love it. That is a lot for both of you. And that is awesome. So as we start wrapping up today, and obviously we could talk for hours because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. But as we start wrapping up, so you we've already talked about the book. I know people can go find it on Amazon or wherever they, they get their book. Where else can people connect with you? If they want to learn more about you, just kind of want to follow you, social media, yeah. whatever. So Where's a good spot? Very, yeah, we are very, very active on LinkedIn, both of us. So we love accepting new people on LinkedIn. We both publish regularly on LinkedIn as well. On our website, wakeupshakeupthrive.com, we have a resource hub that has wonderful freebies. People can download checklists and tick boxes because we also believe, as Dominique spoke about empowering, that people have in them what they need to get through this transition. We just are the nudgers. We're just the nudgers. So we put lots of free resources there, including the two first chapters of our book, which people can just download for themselves to get a bit. And there's just two things I would like to share. One is our tagline. And our tagline is don't grow old waiting. Don't grow old waiting. And I think that's the one thing I would love to leave people with on my side is that it's 
never too late, and it's never too early to actually start preparing this wonderful long life that we have ahead of us. And the other thing I just want to share is that we totally love chocolate. And if you guys like chocolate, come to Switzerland and we want to share our chocolate with you. <laughs> Fantastic. Dominique, anything, any other places to find you? Well, we, beside LinkedIn, we also very active on Instagram and, and on Facebook. And we also give, we are both speakers at conferences, whether it's in company conferences or external conferences, part of you know, annual congress and, and so on. So that's where we can mingle physically. Or we to get invited to those things. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, we're, we're, I mean, the world is, is, is vast, but it's, it's a great place to, to find us, whether virtually on social media or on the websites or, you know, face-to-face somewhere on a conference in the U.S. or in Europe. Mm -hmm. In fact, people can actually, they can actually access, we work a lot with the National Wellness Institute. You might know them actually, Brock, they're out of Wisconsin at Stevens Point, the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point, and they're throughout the United States. And they have a number of our sessions actually on their, their website that people can actually download. And we love those opportunities and we always bring chocolate. (laughs) Nice. Well, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed having both of you on. Love the spirit, love the energy, love the knowledge that you're bringing. And I mean, the show is about information and inspiration and you definitely brought both of those. So thank you both for being on today. Thank Thank you very much. It's been a privilege being with you this afternoon. Yeah. Thanks for your podcast.